0: I'm going to set it up a little bit with, with Why Israel, not for a long time, because for the next five weeks, I'm going to be sharing every week a thought from the land. We've called it learnings from the land, uh, because there's something you learn by seeing it in the physical. There's something you experience in the spiritual. And so sometimes by not seeing it, the world we have is, or the, the word we've, we've kind of created for it is kind of a little bit off center. It's not right or wrong. It's just that when you go there, like it anchors you in the reality of the God story. And so I really love going to Israel. It feels like it's an anchor to my soul. It's an anchor to my, not Israel, the God of Israel. And so we don't go to Israel to see the land, just, to, just the land. We don't go to Israel just to learn about the Jewish people, although they're incredible people. We go to Israel to see the God of Israel at work again. It's never about the people or the place. It's all about the God that chose that people and chose that place and chose us. And so hopefully as we share stories with you today, uh, you would be inspired to know more about the Israel story, but bigger than that, that you would be encouraged in your faith in the God story. Amen? So we're going to take a little journey, and uh, I'm going to start where our journey began. It began in a place called Tel Aviv. It's a new city in Israel, and uh, it's, we were there for a day or two just to recalibrate. But in Tel Aviv is the house of Simon the Tanner, where Peter received a vision to go to Cornelius' house and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, which would be you and I. Never been to the Gentile people before. And uh, I know that just as we came into church today, Tess, you said that really spoke to you. Um, would you just, yeah, tell us why. Tell us what was going on in your heart in, a, in that little little town called Jaffa.
1: Well, I love, you know, Jaffa's kind of on the one end of Tel Aviv, and it's very old. And so we go to the city, and it's super modern, and you're like, wow, how did they create this in a desert? Go, you guys. And it's all very inspiring. And then there's this little corner and it's old Israel Jaffa, and it's a port, and um, as Dill said, Simon the Tanner's house, and this is where he received the vision to go and preach to the Gentiles, and I had a moment on this trip where I looked at this little door, old door, and it said Simon's house, and I thought, wow, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that little door in this little house, and it just was just, for me, a very um, poignant reminder that it the journey started somewhere, and so, he received a vision to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth, and you and I sit on this church today because of his obedience. All of our faith is built upon layer upon layer of people gone before us, and so it was just an amazing personal, but I think important reminder for all of us.
0: Yeah, I love when you shared that this morning, because you said it was just a little door, but the story was so much bigger than the door. And I just wondered, like, as we st- stood here today, you know, our stories hopefully get into your spirit to inspire you to t- take you forward in faith. And uh, maybe your next step is just a little door. Maybe it's just a yes to a new season. Maybe it's just a yes to something God has put before you. Maybe it's yes to relationships God is calling you to, uh, to pursue. And it's, it, it looks like such a simple, insignificant door. But on the other side, can I get an amen, Link Church? Maybe God has something so much bigger for you. And so the kind of journey started there, and then we all climbed on a bus, 40 people on a bus. I hope you were praying for me, Link Church. I was the bus tour leader, and we had 40 big A-type personalities on the bus in, 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 uh, in Israel, a couple of awkward chuckles in the room, <laughs> as wives nudged their husbands, so you would have been a disaster. And, uh, and someone actually said to me, they said, "Dylan, there are a lot of big personalities climbing on that bus. Is it going to be okay? <laughs> I said, no one's bigger than Israel. And so off we went. And we started at a place called Shiloh. Shiloh is a beautiful place, a place of tranquility and peace. And uh, it's the place where Joshua established the Tent of Meeting, or Tabernacle as we call it now, Uh, for the first time gave it permanent place in Israel. It was a very precious place. Many amazing things happened there. But now I know for the Hayden Rakes, I'm going to go across to you guys, because uh, there was a lot going on in Shiloh, and I want you to unpack what God was showing you, what He's reminded you of uh, in that beautiful place called Shiloh. You go first. Ladies
2: first.
3: Um, so, Dill actually mentioned while we were standing there, um, well, yeah, there's so much beauty in Shiloh, but there are quite a few um, almond trees. Um, and it's the place where, you know, the first tent was erected to house the, the presence of God. And um, there are lots of these almond trees and they're actually really ugly trees. <laughs> they're quite furry and, I don't know, they just don't look very nice. But, um, They blossom in the middle of winter when it's snowing. And for me, that was just profound. Dill spoke on um, Jeremiah 1, which was, um, yeah, which is just about prophetic words and prophecy and how um, a prophetic word should propel you uh, from a season of drought or a dead season. It should always speak into um, the breakthrough, into the blessing, into the blossom, into the fruitfulness of the future. Um, So that stood out for me. That was quite profound. I know you had more. God also downloaded to you about the almond tree, which was also awesome.
2: We did. It was actually, it was a cool moment because the, the almond branch, there were a few almond trees around, but I mean, Shiloh was the place where Hannah brought young Samuel to uh, to the tabernacle uh, well, to pray, trusting God for Samuel, Samuel, and then obviously take him to the tabernacle to um, learn under the high priest at the time, which was Ellie. So a real faith prayer moment. And... Uh, Obviously, the establishment of the tabernacle is a really cool um, hologram, and inside the Ark of the Covenant was an almond branch, along with the stones Moses broke, and then the new commandments that were given to him. But uh, that almond branch really stood out to me. So Dil started to share around Jeremiah 1 and the almond branch, and um, it's amazing. I don't know where... There we go. Uh, The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. Jeremiah 1, 9. And... uh, we were encouraged to pray a big, bold, faith prayer in those moments. There were amazing little pockets of space that we had on the tour where people were just had a moment with God. And one of them, and I actually said, The Lord reached out and touched my, uh, touched, the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put the words in your mouth. See today, I will point you over the nations, kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And uh, Jeremiah has this moment with God where he actually says, um, I'm too young. And God replies to him and says, you're not too young. Do not consider yourself too young for what I want to do. And it was a cool moment because I was praying, like, for my family and for my boys. And, you know, like the, the bedtime prayers. Like, <laughs> pray for my wife. and pray for my kids. And pray for today, tomorrow, and that we sleep well. And no one wakes up in the middle of the night. And then I felt God saying. And out of nowhere, I, felt, I, I threw a prayer out there. I was like, God, touch my mouth. Just touch my mouth, mouth for this next season of life. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it's going to go, but it just felt like a touch-my-mouth moment. And then the second part of that was actually, um, we, we, we live in a world where we expect expected to have an ever-ready faith. Something happens, we pray. Uh, step out in faith. Keep moving. And I felt God spoke to me about a never-ready faith. And I look at a guy like Jeremiah who wasn't ready to, to, to prophesy. I look at Jesus who wasn't ready to perform miracles. Um, I look at... Uh, Moses, he wasn't ready to lead the Israelites. I look at all these guys who were never ready, and I felt like God saying that, to be ready for a never ready faith. Because I think there's businesses in the room that are uh, waiting to be launched. I think there's uh, churches in the room that are waiting to be planted. I think there's families in the room uh, that are waiting to do incredible things. And I think we're all waiting for this perfect um, Mm cookie-cut answer of everything and having all our ducks in a row and getting organized before we step out into what God's called us to. So two things. One... God touched my mouth, too. If there's a glimpse of what God's called you to in the future and you're not feeling ready, go with it.
0: Come on. That is awesome. Amen. It's actually so profound because that was the launch pad to the 12 tribes taking their inheritance. So you you can understand why when you see in the practical what God is doing in the spirit, he starts to stir it again and remind us that we have a great inheritance. And uh, the Lord has touched your mouth, Dubsy, and so we're excited for that. Amen. And so again, as God touches them with the prophetic, which was quite a personal thing for them, very personal, both of them had a similar kind of thing God was doing in them, I just know that they're bringing back to our house an awakening of that as well as they start to meet with you. And so if, if you're feeling like, hey man, I just I, I feel like I want to be unlocked in the prophetic, never ready faith. Ask them to pray for you. Let's ask God to move and unlock the prophetic in our church. Amen. There we go spontaneous prayer moment. Slev, there was a cool picture actually at Shiloh where the vineyards became, uh, olive trees became vineyards and it was just such a reminder of the faithfulness of God. Do you want to speak to that a bit? It was such a cool.
4: Yeah, I just think standing in that place uh, on a fairly high ground, looking across the valley, um, part of God's promise to the Israelite people is that once where there was olive trees, you bring back the vineyards. And I think it was such a beautiful picture of how The almond tree blossoms in winter how if you go to israel it's desert but yet out of the most unlikely places there's flowers that bloom there's cities that are built um you know just geographically if you go to tel aviv second to dubai tel aviv has the most cranes in the sky so they're building and what the amazing thing is they don't even know but they're building god's eternal city (laughs) That God is already doing something that he's promised to put in play. And the vineyards are a picture of actually mm. Israel being turned green in a desert world. And I think it's such a beautiful picture, not just for the people of Israel, but for the church. That actually, in fact, circumstances don't dictate how we operate. Actually, God's word does. And he speaks a better word over our situation. And I think, for me, that almond uh, blossoming in winter and the fact that there are vineyards growing before us is a physical picture of a spiritual uh, yeah. promise for, for all of
0: us. Yeah. I want to keep, stick with you for a moment because there was this moment where he said to us, uh, he quoted the scripture where God says, I will lead you into a wide and spacious place. Now, naturally, you interpret wide to be breadth, right? And, and, and that gave us a, a, a reframed perspective of how we read the map. I don't have a map with me, but it was a cool moment.
4: Yeah, I think uh, our God, Baruch, he was, I love, he was a great guy. He he. He was amazing to have with us he actually ukrainian born uh, but uh, the jewish people they it's called the word Aliyah, which means to come home and he Aliyah, from ukraine settled in jerusalem with his family and uh, he was our god and i love the name baruch because it means blessing so we were blessed right from point zero <laughs> to going home uh, but anyway uh, what i loved about him is he brought us great context i think when you go to israel what we find is that in traveling somewhere and i said it in an earlier service that it, in fact for all of us uh, was a reminder that we've been invited on a journey. We travellers, the, the word used is pilgrimage or pilgrims, and pilgrims are people that go on a long distance travel towards a holy place. And so for us it was that, but actually in the New Testament. Peter speaks of us of being travellers and surgeons. We we in this world and we're travelling. All of us here in this room are travelling, which is exciting because we're moving. Come on. Okay, I'm just excited anyway. So um, so it's a and so what what, what he's what Baruch said to us was that often you know the promise to Abraham was Abraham, I'm going to take you to the promised land, which is a wide and open land, expansive and there's great opportunities. But when we look at the map of Israel, it looks pretty narrow. Am I right? If you look at it north to south, it's like Script for nooks. There's nothing there. It's like, it's the size of Kruger. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's got nothing. But actually, what he said was like, let me give you some context. You see, when God designed Moses or, or Abraham to read the map, he was to read it from east to west. And if you flip the map of Israel and you put it east to west, it's a wide land. It's a, it's a wide land. And, and he said, like, east is where it, it was a picture of like where they'd come from and west was where they were going. And north was to your right and south was to your left. And so I love how you said it because, you know, in order to live in this land, it's going to require faith. And faith is a perspective. It's how you see things. So good. And so if you see, if, you, if you're looking at the obstacles, you're never going to see the opportunities. So he, he just encouraged us, like in the new covenant. We, we're not in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. Yeah. So we live with new eyes and a new lens. And if I look with a new lens, I, I only see wide land. I only Beautiful. see wide opportunities. And I think it was just such a reminder for us, the church. You can you can live in South Africa for 24 hours. All you can see is load shedding, but I see light shedding. Yeah, come on! <laughs> you know you can, you can, you can choose to how you want to live in this place. We can either choose to look what's wrong with this place. We can choose to what looks right with this place. We can either choose to look at the problem. Or we can look at the promise. And if we look at the promise, we see a wide land. Yeah, wide opportunity here on the North on. Coast. And so, uh, Baruch, He blessed us. Wow, yeah, I'll flip flipped the map. Flip, the, flip think, the lens. I, I think, flip I mean, he literally lens. said,
0: Guys, how could this be wide? And we we're like, Ah, and he just went like this. Donkey. Ah, some of you just need to go like this, you know? Ah. And um, anyway, hopefully today God does a bit of that in you. Uh, we left the place of Shiloh, which is in an area called the West Bank. If I say that word, you all start going, How did you make it out? But the truth is, Israel is one of the safest places when you're there. It's the most crazy thing. Don't believe everything you read in the media. Uh, That's a little lesson for week three of the series, Learning from the Land. Um, But uh, it is a beautifully safe place. We left there. We went up to a place called Mount Arbel. I think these are images from Mount Arbel now and overlooks the Sea of Galilee, which is where Jesus spent most of his life doing most of his ministry. And so when you get there, you realize why he chose it. It's beautiful. But also life happens around water. And so he went where the water was. And he would then track around the tra- track around the thing. Now, I know for Tess, again, this was an amazing moment as we stood up on the Mount Arbel and overlooked it. And there's the picture of uh, Tess. Well, there we go. There's such a beautiful moment as we got encouraged to pray again, just reminding yourself what God's called you to. What was going on in you right there? And what does it mean for us right here?
1: It was a beautiful moment. I loved, uh, right early on in the church, Dylan had shared a testimony of how when he first went to Israel, he uh, believed he'd found his feet. Um, I think those are the words you used. And so most of my prayer throughout the trip was that God would help me find my feet for this next season. Like I know what I'm called to, but I I want it solidified. Often we know what we're called to. It's not that we don't know. It's just that sometimes blurry. It doesn't line up with our circumstances. And so we need to find our feet when our circumstances are rocky, amen? And so um, I was on the mountain and I just, I was looking down at the villages and like Dylan says, they're all surrounding the water. And I did, I had that real epiphany that this is where Jesus lived, that's where he walked. But in this space, he wasn't, for most of the time, he wasn't Messiah. He was Jesus, friend, brother, teacher, rabbi. And as I looked at these spaces, I just felt God beckon me towards himself, to step into the fullness of, of my humanity, because Jesus was fully human, but he operated in a divine way, and for me, that was an invitation to step into, to be human, but to step more into the divine calling on my life, which I believe is to teach. And I shared with Dylan, you know, for most of my ministry here at Link, I feel like I've stumbled into preaching and teaching perhaps as something that maybe I just do it because that's maybe what like, you know, the pastor's wife should do. And and this was a moment really where I felt God say, no, I've called you to something. I want you to teach people, and I don't want you to just stumble into it. I want you to intentionally walk forward in it. And so perhaps that would encourage you this morning, church. If there is something stirring on the inside, you feel God pursuing you and calling you into something, we can oftentimes just stumble into that, and that's not wrong, but there's also an intentionality where we turn off faces towards him our heads up our eyes towards heaven and we intentionally pursue what God's asking of us in the next season and so I believe for for me in this trip it really was a moment where I found my feet
0: awesome 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 and so again if there are people in the room going I want to unlock teaching why don't you ask Tess to pray for you today because not it's not that what happens in the land is different to what God does here but when God does something in us we want to get we want to get it active And so, um, again, I just believe a lot of this is going to unlock things in our church community as we share these stories. And so uh, the next morning at the Sea of Galilee, woke up to a beautiful morning. Um, We went to Magdala. That's the Sea of Galilee, an image right now, beautiful place. But I want to talk a bit about Magdala because, uh, Kath, you mentioned about being on the outside and then being on the inside and a bit of that personal journey in you. Um, Do you want to talk to her a little bit?
5: Um, Yeah, I think... For me, this was probably a very personal journey. I think it did actually even start in Shiloh. Um, I don't think any of the photos show it, but one of the things that struck me the most was how these most incredibly beautiful flowers, like intense colors, just grow out of rock. Um, And I found that quite quite noticeable. Like, it just made me realize that sometimes even in the hardest circumstances, if God's planted a seed, it'll grow and it'll produce something beautiful. And I think for me, um, from a personal perspective, I think God showed me that my heart's actually hardened quite a bit. I think life happens. I'm certainly not perfect, guys. I know you know that. Um, But I don't know. Life happens. Your heart gets a little bit hard, and then things battle to grow. Um, And I really felt like God in those flowers showed me, you know, um, if I'll just trust him, it can break through and something beautiful can come of it. And so when we got to Galilee, when we were at Magdala um, at the synagogue, I think there was a second part to it because uh, Baruch was talking about Jesus being in the center um, preaching in that synagogue. Uh, and there's so much for that Magdala space. Um, but he referred back, I think it was to Luke, um, I'll find the scripture but how it was only the men um, and the, the rabbis, the, the teachers, the highly respected, who got to sit in those places on those rocks and Jesus would have been in the center and he would have opened the scrolls there. Um, women were not allowed there and yet there was the woman who was hanging around on the outskirts um they referred to her as bent over or crippled, which I don't think is specific just to women, to be honest. I think there are a lot of us who hang mm-hmm. around the outskirts of church because number one, we don't feel invited, and two, we feel pretty bent over. Um, but in that moment, Jesus actually called her in, um, and she came into a space that obviously wasn't her space in terms of the times of the day, and He healed her. And I, I think for me, it was just with the hardness of heart and perhaps a little bit standing on the outskirts of church, um, God was saying, you know, he's the one with the invitation. Um, stop worrying about those who are sitting on the stands around the side. So for me, it was very personal. Um, and I think so much of teaching came out of there. I think yeah. um, a lot happened in that place. Jesus was there. Uh, Mary Magdalene, honest moment, guys, I thought she was a prostitute. <laughs> So much of the Bible is We not ask we won't judge judge the room, sure what they a thought. lot of you yeah, yeah. Felt that. She wasn't. She actually, her family owned that town, um, and she was an incredibly educated woman. Uh, and as Barack said, she probably hadn't found her match as yet in a man, and yet she found Jesus, um, and he filled her heart in every aspect of her life, and she followed him. And not only did she follow him, but she funded all his ministry. Yeah. Um, and I thought in that moment, wow, her, Mary, Magdalene was at the cross with Christ, and so was his mother and um, I think also a very personal moment there was realizing Mary, mother of Jesus, knew, God, knew Jesus fully human, fully man, uh, I mean fully human, fully God, um, and such a powerful space because yeah he was the human, and then yeah I don't know, it was a profound moment, so Magdala for me was was incredibly special
0: I think uh, for many people um, at the end of the trip, I asked. Who enjoyed what sights the most and why? And uh, Magdala was like, Magdala, 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 Magdala. Um, and one of the reasons for that was actually we took a moment as men to pray for our ladies. So we chose to partner with Luke 13 where Jesus invites a woman in and changes her bent posture and puts her back in mission. A very powerful and prominent woman. So we learned about Mary Magdalene. I didn't have that picture of her in my mind. I thought, I thought she was an outcast, but actually she was very profiled, just a little bit bent over. And so carrying stuff. And Jesus puts her straight back into mission and her mission funds his ministry. And so we felt like it was a moment to commission our wives into the calling that's on their lives as men. And so we took a moment in the, the, there's a chapel there and the men and uh, we broke up into couples, and we literally just laid hands on our wives. And I said to Tess, "I wish I did this every day. I think about her every day. I tell her she's amazing every day. I pray for her in my quiet time, but seldomly do I publicly with her pray a blessing over her life." And I realized the power because there was not a dry eye. Hey, Dubsy, what happened there, bro? That things broke out that morning.
2: No, it was um, it was wild. <laughs> I got to. I often joke, I pray a bit like Jesus. I'm like, Lazarus, come out. Like, it's, it's as long as my prayers go. But I was joking with prayers. I got about a 7 out of 10 for that prayer. I prayed for 7 of the 10 minutes allocated to the prayer. I got 7 out of 10. But I joke, and we have a bit of fun with it. But it was a really powerful moment. And uh, like you say, it'll not a dry eye. And uh, watch the fruit of that moment. Because I think it's a powerful thing. Was it just chatting, like Kath chatting about uh, Mary... Um, Magdalene, there were another two ladies mentioned as well, Joanna and Susanna, and the three of them solely funded Jesus' ministry, the 12 disciples and their families, for three years for them to do what they did. And uh, just in the first service, I got got a huge sense that there's ladies sitting in the room here today um, that are influential business ladies, um, that are incredible mums, um, that have influence in areas and spaces that they don't believe. And I feel like God wants to unlock that yeah, in the I'm woman good. of our house, that uh, they would walk into those spaces with a confidence. Maybe it's a little never-ready faith moment for you, but I feel like God wants to unlock something in the ladies of the house, just as he did that day um, in Magdala as we prayed over our wives. So.
0: Amen to that.
2: And maybe your husband just needs to lay his hand on you and pray. I say, at the same moment, I walked outside the bridge, I was like, I don't know I just don't do this every day. <laughs> like, same thing, love you, encourage you, but never pray for you. Maybe husbands, maybe today you need to get home and lay a hand on your wife and pray for her and unlock the God
0: potential in her future. Yeah, moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it was just an amazing moment. Actually, the, the, the men reference that as their highlight more than the ladies. Yeah. Think about that. So the privilege of praying a blessing over our wives. Um, from Magdala, we went up to Caesarea Philippi, um, which is Mount Hermon the area where Jesus would have stood before idol worship and a lot of bloodshed through idol worship. And he would ask the question, so who do the people say I am? And Peter says, you're Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, which is a beautiful picture of a living God before dead gods. And so you always, when you stand there, you realize just the significance of that moment. It's also a hundred odd kilometers up country. So he went a long way to stand head and shoulders above dead gods. Uh, and Jesus will take us on whatever journey necessary uh, to stand above the things that break us down. And so say yes to the journey because wherever he's leading you is to show you that he's the living water. But again, Slev, this was a moment that really um, stood out to you. And uh, we smiled at the end of it as our people were staring at the rock with caves and gods. And then the water gushes. Tell us about Mount Herman.
4: Yeah, I just think... Uh... you said we took a moment on the back end just to pray and uh, someone stopped and said i think we should take a moment to pray and um, and i think in any event whenever we pray what it does it takes us off our own circumstances and turns our eyes up and um, just at that moment as we were praying there was almost these clouds came over and uh, there was some thunder and lightning and uh, it was just one of those moments where you could hear the waters running below you but also right here to your right you couldn't miss it with these big rocks and these gods that had been idol worship for many for centuries And there was the God of Pan, which is the God of panic and fear. And then there's the God of energy, which is to imply that you spend your energy on nothing that really counts. And you're distracted by a world that wants to get your attention. Um, And then there was a God of entertainment and all these gods that the world offers us. And then in that moment, as we were praying, it just felt like God in a moment with thunder and lightning was to transition from looking at the world to look to the water. And there was flowing, and that is the source of the Jordan River. And so this water flows. It's crystal, crystal clear. And it was almost a reminder that, you know, we can, if we're distracted by the world, we're always going to face what seems impossible. But when we look to the living water, it changes us from the inside so out. Good. And I just thought in a moment, that's the reminder for us to live in the new covenant, that we not need to look at a world and what it offers, but we need to just look at the water that refreshes, that brings healing, that brings restoration. And if it's flowing there, it means it's flowing in our hearts Come on. here right now. And uh, I just thought, too, that, um, you know, I, I look behind this, and what the funny thing about Israel is, you feel like it's pretty desert, so it's hot. So it's 30 degrees, but then within our, our view, is right behind this is Mount Hermon, and Mount Hermon has snow on it, uh, which is quite surreal, because you're in the desert, but you see the snow. <laughs> you know, like with us, you've got to travel to the Drakensberg to go and see the snow. It gets cold before you see the snow. Yeah, you're hot, and you see the snow. Which is amazing. But anyway, what I thought about that is that, you know, what's amazing is the snow melts and then it fills those rock and then it flows from that. That snow, that running water, that water comes from the snow caps of Mount Hermon. And I just thought for myself, you know, God is already taking care of where he's taking us. Come on. There's melted snow that's happened in your life. Where you are today is no coincidence. God was already working his plan through you. He says, before you were born, I knew you. He knows everything about you. He's preparing you for the wife and husband you have right now. He's already preparing you for the business you're running right now. He's already preparing you to live in the Belito land right now. Come on. He was already before us before we knew it. And that's His God's grace and His kindness. And I just see children being dedicated today. You know, like we wish for those things, and yet God had provided for them. Guess what? The, the, the ice was already being, was melted so that it could flow into our lives. And there's a river, if there's a river flowing in the river Jordan right now, there's a river flowing right here in our hearts today. Absolutely. And all we need to do is receive it. So I just love that transition because I don't know about you, I get distracted by what the world and what it offers. Yeah. But our security is never found in a world system It's found in God's word system.
0: That's good. That's good. Amen.
2: Am I allowed to take notes?
0: And we literally, while we're praying, like thunder cracked. It was actually quite amazing. We realised God's just affirming the prayer of His people. Anyway, that was a that was a side note. When you pray, God hears. Uh, we we went from there. Obviously, came down into Jerusalem. Amazing moment on the Mount of Olives. But I want to transition from uh, standing in Caesarea Philippi. I love how you say God has already provided for your future before you can see it. Like that's quite an amazing thought. The snow is already on the mountaintops before you enjoy the water that flows. Uh, you got it, and that's a life. It's a story of faith. And then we get to Jerusalem. And there's the picture of the temple, the old temple that's in ruins, and they're building, they're accumulating bricks for what they believe will be a new temple, but a lot of language around temple blocks. And uh, Bridget, you wrote something down that really stood out to me, how God sees the potential of the stone.
3: Oh, yes. Um, I I think our guide mentioned that actually, you know, back in the day, Jesus it came from a family of builders, so he would have been raised in that, gone to the synagogue in the morning, learned the, the scriptures, and then in the afternoon been taught the trade. And you were what your family was. You became that inheritance. And um, yeah, he spoke about how a builder looks at a rock and sees the potential of what it can be, you know? And that's what God does in our hearts. Or when he looks at us, he doesn't see you with all your flaws and all the things. He looks at the potential of what God's put in you. And I love that. It was just a profound moment where I was like, wow, you know, if you're not a builder, you'll look at a rock and go, oh, that's just a rock. You know, a builder will go like, oh, I can make that and this and this, and it can be a cornerstone in this, you know, whatever. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, that was just a profound moment.
0: I love that because, like, Jesus is referenced as the master builder. And uh, I love the fact that he sees us and he sees our potential. And uh, there's actually a, there's, a, there's a cool thing you should know is when they prepared the rocks, they never prepared the rocks in position. They always prepared them in the quarry and then carried them in their perfect form and put them in position. And so there were never hammers and chisels when the temple was going up. So, yeah. That took place in the quarry, which is to say that in your confession of Christ, Jesus, I give you my life, all of me is yours, you are chiseled into place in that confession and you are perfectly fit for the role you'll play in the local church. It doesn't need to be another hammer or chisel put on your life like there's something you're missing to play a role in building what God's building. And so I just want to encourage you, Link Church, as Bridge said, he sees the potential of the stone. It's a big deal. Like when, when he calls us by name and we say yes to him in faith, it's like he's positioned us to fill a pot. It says in Ephesians 2, God is building a home. Brick by brick. That brick is a perfectly fitted brick. Tap your name and say, you're right for it. Yeah, right. I just got to get you ready for it. You, you are perfectly fit for the role God has for you on this planet, and you need to believe that today, Link Church. There is nothing l- lacking in us. And so I love it. Might run through a wall just now. Anyway, put some new bricks in. <laughs> um, there, was, there was so many moments. There was in Uh We had a prophetic word. I'll just give you a quick testimony. Uh, we had a prophetic word at Ingeti that God would spring water from the rock in people's lives on this trip and in our church on this trip. And it was amazing because we were in Israel. Here are two stories from Israel just before we got to En-Gedi where the water springs out the rock. You can read it, Psalm 63. David would have gone and found water there when he was running from Saul. There's a picture. I think that's John Howey sticking his head under the gushing water. That water is gushing out the rock in the middle of a desert. So I read this prophetic word and I say church or bus, church, um, we believe in God's gonna unlock water even before we get to ngedi. Well, we arrive at Engedi and a guy comes to me, one of the business guys on the trip, and says, you're not going to believe it. I've just received a message that today we released a new public platform for lending. And we were warned not to do it because it's the lowest time in the South African market, those two days. Lowest, talk about a desert, And he said, we're not even at the water yet, and that prophetic word is coming to play. They released the platform this morning, and every share option was taken up. It's total sellout, which means against all odds, God did the impossible in our business. Amen? (laughs) The next morning, we're climbing up a mountain. I get a message from my mom to say, Dad has just been awarded a contract. I'm talking like years and years and years, desert. While that's happening, I don't know, but I get back. We tell the story in the first service, and Alan Wills walks up to me after the service. He was here in South Africa. He said, at the same time, listen how cool this is, at the same time those stories were being told in Israel, I received the contract I've been waiting for years here in South Africa, and so God was just unlocking order in this moment. And so God does what he says. Uh, we went to Gethsemane, the Garden of the Olive Press. And, Dubs, I saw you, Eric Hardy, and Mark Stone get stuck to each other. (laughs) Let me be specific here. We all moved on to go and take photos of the olive trees that are hundreds of years old. And him, Eric Hardy, and Mark Stone, in a triad, get stuck to each other. And I just see tears, and I think, we're going to just leave them here for a little moment. What was going on? And I don't even know what happened there.
2: It was just one of those moments like it was unorchestrated um everyone had sort of left and the three of us were left in the garden and eric um an amazing man where is he i don't know where he's sitting um he just got his arm around mark stone and i and we just started sharing stories and i actually shared that revelation around uh not being ready like i just feel like we don't do stuff because we're not ready and uh, mark stone shared something and eric just grabbed both of us and started to pray for us and we we were stuck there for a little while, and there wasn't a dry eye, and we just prayed for each other, and it was a cool moment, just um, standing in the garden where Judas kissed Jesus, Jesus was arrested, uh, Peter cut off a man's ear. It was just there were it was it was quite a surreal moment. But Israel's a funny it's a funny place. The ground speaks, and I I use that term loosely because it's the spirit of God that does something in. And you find yourself in moments weeping, you find yourself joyful, um, you find yourself praying, you find yourself um, getting revelation of moments and spaces, and I think that was just the moment. So, Eric Carter, you're an amazing man, and I'm very grateful for you. And i grateful for Mark Stone, but that was just one of those moments where God just, I, I don't even have words, but God did something
0: in our hearts. I love that because we were in a garden and God started to speak, yeah. Uh, Just two more stories. Are you enjoying this? Uh, Don't miss out on the next few weeks at church. If you are just visiting from Joburg, just buy a place, move here. It's going to be epic. Um, But for the next few weeks, I'm going to be breaking this down in detail because I feel like God gave me specific leadership lessons from the land. And I feel like we're going into a season where God is going to equip His church as leaders in a society that needs leaders. Anyway, that's for the next few weeks. Two more stories. One is when you stood at the top of Jerusalem. Every time we, be, or twice we've been there, she's asked to take this photo. Can we show the photo of Tess standing on the wall at Mounts of Olives? And tell us why it is so significant for you every time we do this.
1: I feel like this should be the posture of my life, our life, hands up as heavenward, heart open. And the first time I was in Jerusalem, I'd actually just had a miscarriage, and so I was, I was mourning. <laughs> Funny enough, the second time I'm in Jerusalem, I've lost my dad, I'm in mourning, I feel. And it's just, it's an amazing moment where I'm like, regardless of my circumstances, Jesus, I'm hands up, eyes heavenward, heart open. And that's just my, I'm here for it. Yes, God, I'll do whatever. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that is it. A, that's a beautiful photo. <laughs> and then of course, we ended our trip, um, just for time, I'm gonna close now, but we ended our trip in the garden tomb. And uh, an area called the Garden Tomb, and it's amazing because Gethsemane is a garden, but Gethsemane means olive press. The Garden Tomb is a garden where the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty, and there's a beautiful peace about that garden. You walk the streets of Jerusalem, and there's this intensity, and there's this, there's this fight between what feels like the forces of good and evil for what is the most prized piece of real estate on the planet. I don't know if you knew that, but. Uh, The Dome of the Rock is, hands down, the most contended for piece of land on the planet. Far more expensive than any estate on the North Coast. (laughs) And so you get the sense of what God is fighting for because it's a picture of our hearts. That's actually the most contested real estate on the planet. It's not in Israel, it's in us. And you go and stand in the garden tomb where he paid the price for this. And we took a moment to break bread and share communion and I thought we could do it as a church community today. As Slev just tells us what he was seeing in that moment, because as he shared, you could just feel the faith stirring for the seasons ahead. And so, share with us what you were seeing in that garden. We're going to break bread and then probably sing again to the glory of God this morning.
4: Yeah, I just just keep going back when when we stood in that garden tomb, I I just kept reminding ourselves of the scriptures of how um, right in the beginning of the Bible, there was a garden. And... uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and because of their disobedience, they were cast out. But then we stood in the garden of Gethsemane, and I'm reminded of Jesus who went back into a garden, and because of his obedience, we were cast in. And then I was reminded again um, how Adam and Eve in that first garden, because of what they did, they went and hid behind a tree. And then when I went through the streets of Jerusalem and went to that garden tomb at Golgotha, I reminded about second Adam, his name was Jesus, who went up on a tree to take away our shame. And I just thought in that moment, um, it's just a reminder us of this beautiful gospel we have, that actually when we stand there and we look at it, we stand between two gardens, one in which the Garden of Eden, and then forward to the book of Revelation where God says, I'm going to come and restore all things, that God on that cross and Jesus, rising again from the dead, changed everything about how we should live. And more importantly, about the future we have. Because like Tim Keller said, the resurrection changes everything. It changes our past, it changes our present, and it changes our future. And I think that empty tomb for me reminded us that God hasn't finished the story yet. That He's just begun it in us, and He has an incredible future for us. I just want to say one thing. I said it earlier, we're pilgrims, so we, we, we're surging, we're traveling. We're traveling. But there's one thing about the Jewish people, when you get to know them a bit better, and we were down the Dead Sea, and we celebrated Shabbat, <laughs> and we could hear the Jewish people before they arrived in the dinner room. And uh, do you mind if I stand quickly? Go for it. stand? Yeah, I I'm going to stand. <laughs> but anyway, so, they not you stand with me? But you know, the Jewish people, we could hear them, because you know what? Guess what? There is a joy in our hearts because of what God did for us. And I looked at these Jewish people, and they arrived in the families. We were sharing a big supper room with them. And they arrived, and they were—I don't know—I just tried to think of the words of the word so I couldn't hear. It was like ha na 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 na, na. I, I don't know my Hebrew, but I could rhyme. And, uh, and 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 you know what? I saw young and old, young children, fathers, grandfathers, but all of them were like—they were dancing around a table. But you know what? It wasn't like a restaurant where you order something and then you go. I hope there's more. It was a buffet. There was more food than you could ever imagine. And I thought to myself, you know what? They're in the old covenant. We in the new covenant, there is a joy of being saved by God. Are there any people in this room that have been saved because of what God did for us? Okay, let me ask you again, Link Church. Is there anyone here in this room that has been saved because of what Jesus Christ did for us? So, so, so guess what? Guess what? We should be dancing with joy. If the Jewish people could go, I want to tell you, Link Church, we should be dancing with joy because of what God did for us. Can I give you some context? You changed my name. You healed my past. You put my feet on solid ground. You know, I love that song because it reminds us we can thank God. He set my heart on Him. There's a difference. There's a song in our hearts because of what He did for us. You know, I love that song. We sang it just now. Do you hear the words? We've witnessed it. We've witnessed the love of God. We've witnessed His grace in our lives. We've witnessed His hope in this church. We've witnessed His truth being preached. We've witnessed our family coming to know God. We've witnessed Him because He moved on our behalf, didn't He? we witnessed this because He changed my life many years ago. we witnessed it. We've witnessed this is the church. This is the song we sing because God came and did what we could never do. Hey, friends, I checked it out. The tomb's empty. Jesus is alive. That means our future is secure in Him. He's not in Jerusalem; He's in my heart. He's in our hearts, and so we can witness in the church. Let there be a shout in our praise. Let us be reminded of the goodness and the grace of our God. And so we're going to do that today. You know why? Because we share the meal together and we're family. And just as many forty of us went to Israel, so there are three, four hundred people in this room. But we, we are, we are bound by one thing of what Christ did for you and I. And so today, when we take this meal, it's no ordinary meal, it's the miracle meal. It's the reminder of the good news of the gospel that says that when I take this, I access everything I have. My redemption, my inheritance, everything I have is in this miracle meal. And so why don't you just peel back those layers in the moment. I'm going to take a moment to pray.